When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you in on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herba, Herbal, Connor Clark is in. Connor Clark is duct taped into the studio seat all by himself. It's kind of like, do I jump in the deep end with a flotation device or an anchor? And uh, he's doing all right. Uh, Good to be with you. We uh, gear up here more Nebraska, Oklahoma week in store for you. We'll dive into some of the matchup today and a big component of Nebraska hanging around is going to be that black shirt defense. We'll hear from Eric Shenander. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman. Maybe Mitch has solved the Rubik's Cube that is Nebraska's O-line and run game. Numbers to get in today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. And uh, yes, we are loaded today. Mitch Sherman in 15 minutes in hour two. Uh, pretty good back to back. Husker Hall of Famer, college football Hall of Famer, three time national champion, Super Bowl champ, and uh, one time Sooner fan. Grant Wistrom, going to be with us in uh, one hour. And then it's a Tuesday with Kaz. We'll get Kaz's take on just, well, the offensive line and the defensive line for, for Nebraska as they gear up for Oklahoma. 466-3776-800-825-5865. You know, by Friday... I'll be in Norman by Friday. I'll be uh, I'll be talking. I'll be trying to tell you how this can happen, how a win can be something that's a reality outright. I don't know. I'm, I, uh, by Monday, I'm like yeah, and by Friday, I'm kind of like okay. Here's how things can break right. Um, we've been inundated, and we'll continue our Nebraska Oklahoma celebratory week, Elijah. Uh, as we move forward here. But, you know, to me, as I look at this Nebraska game against Oklahoma, listen, Oklahoma, very mortal against Tulane. Oklahoma dismantling a team that may or may not rent their face masks. Okay, so, and Coach Switzer said it best, we really don't know who we are yet yesterday. And I, and I agree with that. I know that they've got a really good quarterback. I know that they've recruited at an elite level. I know they've got... Dudes that are SEC good because they're going to the SEC. That's how Oklahoma always tried to recruit. They wanted to go get SEC talent and go smoke people in the Big 12 with it. But 
I know that they, they are far from perfect. And honestly, no one's looked like elite except for Alabama in college football this year. Everyone's struggled or stubbed their toe or just flat out lost. If we're going to talk about who's had the best performances of college football right now, I know Washington's 0-2, but I thought they looked like a pretty good football team that Michigan beat. Oregon going to the shoe and winning physically like they did was impressive. They they got enough out of their quarterback, and they just ran the football and played great defense. So you got Oregon that looks good. You got Alabama that looks fantastic. You've got a lot of wow factor with Oklahoma putting up a ton of points. You've got boring old Iowa that's just putting people out like they're cigarettes because of how good their defense is. Then there's kind of everybody else. Am I fair to say that? Uh, I'm I mean, missing anybody. It's we're we're two games in, so it's kind of hard to say because I know. A, a lot of those top teams in college football haven't put anybody on their schedule that is going to give you a wow factor win yet. Well, Iowa has back to back ranked wins. Iowa does. I mean, but I look at uh, down in the SEC. I guess Georgia has a win over Clemson. Sure, Georgia's had an, uh, had an impressive sure. one game, but then uh, I can't even remember the team name that they played this week. It was, it was nobody. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, still a lot of the season left to be played, but there is. But Nebraska, Oklahoma, it's uh, it's a great test for this Nebraska team because Oklahoma should be one of the top teams in the country this year. I'm with you. I, I think so, and that that's really what it is to me. Is when I look at this Oklahoma, doesn't it scream opportunity? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it scream? Oh, there's Oklahoma. There's they're good for what? They're good for stubbing their toe against an Iowa State or a Kansas State. Uh, they'll be in a shootout with <laughs> with Texas that first weekend in October. But I mean, Oklahoma's not been immune. They've always climbed back to be eleven and one or twelve and one and go win their conference. They've been incredible that way. But they've lost some head scratchers to teams they clearly out athlete. They're clearly supposedly more physically gifted then but if you punch him in the face kansas state comes to mind iowa state comes to mind they're they're beatable uh is is nebraska up to the challenge i mean i know that uh 58 points a game is nothing to sneeze at uh, but I consider the competition. I also consider the competition that Nebraska's face. That's what's making this equation a little more difficult here. And when we talk Nebraska, what do we know? We know that Nebraska has won two games after a very poor performance against Illinois. But here's what I've seen, and I think you've seen it as well. In three weeks, Nebraska has been underwhelming on the offensive line. Nebraska's been underwhelming on the offensive line. Nebraska's had problems running the football with somebody not named Adrian. And if we're just talking straight-up designed Adrian runs, what do you run for? Like, uh, he ran 11 times, 12 times last weekend. Well, four of those were called. The rest were, oh, my God, there's a rush of blue shirts. Let me step out of the way and take off. And guess what? He'll have to do that. Yeah, not that it can't be an effective part of the offense. You see Lamar Jackson against the Raiders last night. I did. Night. I also yeah. saw the, the game-ending fumble that killed momentum, and then, oh, you know, no time win by Vegas. Yeah, I've seen that story. I've seen yes, that story from yeah. Nebraska. <laughs> right, and you see, yeah, well, just case in point with NFL last night, you're like, damn, Baltimore looks incredible. And then, oh, oh, no. <laughs> There's the fumble because guess what? Everybody's a dude in the NFL, and a safety's going to come downhill or a linebacker's going to run down, not necessarily a 
he'll catch up to uh, Lamar Jackson because he's elite fast. But that's what you're going to see. You can see and, and will probably have, if you're hoping uh, Nebraska hangs around in this thing, you'll have great plays made by Adrian. You'll have uh, Oklahoma respond, and they'll limit that great play to just a great play. It'll be a gash play instead of a 71-yard touchdown, presumably, because of their level of athleticism. But with Nebraska, you know, what's going to be so key is is for the Big Red to to just just be physical. And can you find that in your offensive line? Can you find either better performance by some of your guys on the offensive line? Or are you going to just go with new guys on the road in this game against this opponent? And are you going to stick with that? All right, you got to keep your job and win your job every week in practice. I'm open to that. And you know what? It's nothing against the kids that have won in, in the fall and, and did the work in the summer and have already started last last year during COVID. But it's time to look and see if you have better options. And you're going to get a good, a, a good gauge. You're not going to beat the hell out of your team, but you're going to get a good gauge, I hope, getting your team prepped for Oklahoma as much as you can to try and simulate. And what you're going to need to do is have your big dudes on the defense tee off against your offensive guys because that's what they're going to see for four quarters Saturday at 11. And if if your if your guards aren't getting it done, you got to find new guards. If your left tackles still not a thousand percent healthy, dare I say Pro Hoska? And I I say that because he's earned he has earned like being in the on deck circle there. He's earned and played well enough in practice to to get attention. Where it's not okay, let's just test him out. He's he's probably a viable option uh, for Nebraska. I think Ben Hart's been all right. I think Jurgens has been good. And then there's Adrian. And then what what haven't you had? You haven't had anyone really like gear up. And I don't know. We don't know yet either if Nebraska's run game is if, if it's if we're gonna just you know point the dirty end of the stick if it's if it's O line related. Or if, man, if it's just that you just have good to average backs versus a great back. And it just seems like there's always some sort of delay with the run game, all right, in this this shotgun handoff setup. And they've been doing it for years, and it can work. Everyone runs it. But it just seems like it takes about a half a count in the run game where the back's getting it and then trying to see where to go because it's not been completely clean and, oh, yeah, that half account, it's an extra half account. You're asking your line to hold the block, and, and that's been an issue anyway. So it's kind of a domino is what I'm getting at. And it, first down is going to be key because what are you doing? What are you doing on second? Second and what? Second and what is going to be the story of Saturday? Second and what for Nebraska's offense? Second and what for Oklahoma? Right, and we get into the big play talk here. We'll hear from Chenander in a minute. But as I've looked at this, I've looked at the teams. Uh, it's going to be so key for for Nebraska. And listen, if if Nebraska wants to to supplement an inconsistent run game with a short passing game, great. But they got to have some tight ends to do it, or get the ball to the backs out of the backfield. Those are some of the throws that Adrian's not been on top of his game mm-hmm. so far early this year. Now he can be great Saturday out of the backfield checking it down, but it's it's not been his best work, fair to say. Finding finding people in the flat, 
mean, those are probably all of his incompletions, honestly. Well, yeah, that's where placement becomes the most important is those short passes where a guy does have a guy on his back and it comes down to, are you putting this ball on the correct shoulder? Uh, are you able to lead this guy so he can get off and run? I mean, we saw Buffalo, uh, their quarterback on that fourth and one where Luke Reimer came over and made a great play. It was a tiny little thing with the placement late. of that ball. The ball was a little bit late and it was on the running back's back shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that he had to turn his body to make the catch. And when he's getting back upfield, it gave Reimer time to come make the play. That, that just underscores the importance of uh, that short route accuracy from the quarterback. The question is, can Adrian get that ball exactly where it needs to be on the short routes? Let's hear from Coach Chenander. We'll have thoughts uh, from Coach Lubick, Coach uh, Super Mario on, on Adrian, all of that ahead. But let's uh, hear from Chins and uh, a little bit of a preview here for this Sooner offense that Nebraska is going to have to try and slow it down as they're well, well over half a hundred uh, per game is what they're averaging. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good offense. I mean, across the board, you know, they got a lot of experience. And then the new guys they have are really good football players. Um, a lot of returning starters and or transfers. Uh, really good quarterback that can run the ball. Um, he can make all the throws. Uh, running back, they got one guy that will put his foot in the ground and try to run you over, and another guy that will bounce it all around. Uh, speed on the perimeter and an experienced offensive line. So it's going to be a very good very good test for the defense. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun game. Could be a fun game. And he has the right attitude for this. I mean, Nebraska's not scared, at least on the defensive side of the ball. They've they've taken on that, that yeoman-type work mentality. They're ready to embrace the challenge. So uh, let's talk about Adrian and the look he can give the Nebraska defense because you've got a good one you can go against every day in practice. Well, uh, Rattler, he's he's different. I'll have a thought on Rattler here in a moment, but uh, more from Coach Chenander here and that, that look Adrian can give you that'll help you prepare defensively Saturday for Rattler. Yeah, I think, you know, Adrian has the ability also to pull the ball and make a lot of things happen, as we've seen through the first few games. Um, and he does that in practice, so I think that gives us a good look at a guy that can, you know, manipulate the football pretty well. Some of those guys will show you if they're giving it or show you if they're keeping it. Adrian can manipulate the ball pretty well, and that gives us a really good look at, at things in practice. So let's let's get a little bit further into that challenge as we touch defensively here with the uh, the Sooner offense and more of the chan- challenge here from Coach Chenander from Rattler as uh, Nebraska gears up for that Husker, I should say, that uh, Sooner offense. He's one of those, you know, one of those rare guys that can, you know, he can, he can make every throw, and he's a, a threat running the football. And then not only that, but most of those guys that are a threat running the football, once they get flushed in the pocket, they want to take it down and run it. He's going to extend some plays, and he's going to make throws downfield, and those receivers know how to work and get open um, when the play breaks down. So I think he does a really good job of keeping his eyes upfield, extending the play, and he can also pull it down and run it if he needs to. A few minutes away from Mitch Sherman. Last thought here from Chenander. When it comes to motivation, is it a little extra juice for Nebraska, think what this what this game can do for Nebraska. You play well, you hell you win, and maybe you're just going Schmidt take a breathalyzer. I'm just saying what a win could do, what it does for you. Uh, more from Coach Chenander here on uh, a little extra juice this week. It's a nameless, faceless opponent every week, and if you don't prepare like it is, then you get snuck up on. You get the trap game. 
you have to prepare like it's Oklahoma or like it's Ohio State or like we're playing for the national championship every single week. And that's what these guys do, and it's no different this week. Now, it's going to be exciting to get 11 o'clock kick where I don't know what other football games are on. There might be a lot of good games. There might not be as many, but I know there'll be a lot of people watching this football game, and I think it's going to be exciting for these, these guys to go show that, you know, as a defensive unit, what they can do, and they belong, you know. Good for him. Good for him with that opportunity we're talking about. Do you belong? Do you belong at Big Noon? Well, your brand does. Okay. Oklahoma, Nebraska belongs marquee for sure. Does this team? Got and a chance. They got a chance. They, well, they, they, can, they can do what they will. I mean, their, their first chance to prove it this year, they came up flat. They got another chance, another great chance to prove. I mean, you had the... The, the show, week zero, and now you get a chance against one of the top teams in the country this week. Yep, we will uh, hear from Mitch Sherman, Grant Wistrom, less than an hour away, Coach Kaz coming up. It's a Tuesday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark uh, running the show today. We will catch up with Grant Wistrom coming up. He just take on Nebraska, Oklahoma. And uh, we say hi to Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, were you a Boz guy or not growing up? Oh, I wouldn't say that I was uh, heavy into Boz. Um, I was aware. I was, uh, I mean, I'm thinking like 1985. So I was about. 10 when he was at his prime in the in the college ranks um probably not old enough to uh i you know i was watching nebraska at that time and and probably not paying a whole lot of attention to the opponents i i I remember him and and then i remember him more in the nfl when he was a bust so that's kind of a letdown well, you answered that kind of like I asked you if you like Luckies or, or, or Camels or, or Marvel. Hey, you know, I'm kidding. Um, but listen, yeah, that's pretty much. Hey, that's pretty much how how it was. You know, I, I, it was he was a little bit out of a, you know, like like cigarettes would have been for me as a ten year old. He was somewhat out of uh, out of sight, out of mind. I was aware. I you know, I didn't, I didn't, that didn't go get the haircut or anything. Good. You know, some of us fell victim to uh, to, to bad teenage haircuts. Uh, and it was just, it was not a tribute to him. It was just a bad idea. And my folks were right. Right. So let's uh, get into some Nebraska, Oklahoma. I, I uh, what'd you think of coach uh, Verdusco today? Super Mario talking about, uh, about Adrian and how much it's just this Saturday. Well, it's not, it's not what's happened the last few Saturdays. What, what'd you, what'd you read into that? If anything? Well, I think Mario feels like right now there's not a whole lot that he can say that's going to be received all that well. If he goes out and says, hey, Adrian's doing this and this and this and this, great, which obviously Adrian's playing pretty well Mm -hmm. right now. Um, With the exception of the mistake that he made in the Illinois game, fumbling the ball late in the first half, and Mario did talk a little bit about that today and and, uh, coaching Adrian to reminding him not to try to do too much, not to try to do other people, not to play within himself. Um, he's done that, I think, for the most part over these last two and a half games. Now, not everything's been perfect, um, but until Adrian goes out and does it against an opponent that is at a you know a high level opponent, um, and I think Mario would kind of just prefer to stay out of the limelight. You know, he, there's not a whole lot that he can he can say that that comes across in in a in a good way 
to, to praise Adrian, it, there's going to be plenty of people who say, you know, get out of here. You know, what's, what's his record? What's your, what's your record, coach? Because I think Mario's, you know, kind of started to take on that, that uh, some of that heat for, for Adrian. And, and in a sense, for, for Scott Frost, um, because it's, it's been that quarterback position. Uh, it's kind of a, the quarterback position is, I think, at this, t- at this point, a little bit symbolic of the lack of progress that Nebraska has shown on offense over the last four years. So whether, whether that's fair to put that on Mario or not, um, I, I feel like it, it's, it's being done in a sense. And he is, is definitely playing it conservatively when asked to, to, uh, to speak about what Martinez is doing well right now. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, quarterback needs help from his run game, his offensive line, his wide out, so it's not just a one-man band thing. And mm-hmm. I, I read your, your story this week. You have a couple that were out, obviously the Buffalo recap and, and a look ahead with Nebraska-Oklahoma. You did the, uh, the statistical work, 100 carries by the backs, not named Adrian for 379, something around there. Is that correct? That sounds right. Yes. Uh, I, I did add it up. If that's what you're reading off of the, yeah. off of the screen, then that, that's it. So uh, that's 3.79 yards per carry, my uh, tremendous math skills <laughs> tell me right there. Uh, <laughs> and Nebraska needs more than that from its running backs. That needs to be north of four, well north of four. And – yeah, some of that is that there there aren't many big runs in there to kind of boost the average. You look at Adrian's yards per carry and yards per play, and they're they're much higher than that in part because he's he's consistently found ways to get the extra yards, but they're also boosted up by the big plays. You know, he's had two seventy-plus runs, a couple of sixty-eight-yard passes to Samori Toure in this last game, so his numbers look outstanding. The backs do not, um, and that's that's that's. In part because of them, the, the, you know, not finding all the holes when they're there. It's definitely on some of the linemen, all of the linemen, the offensive line, for not getting the kind of push that I think we expected to see uh, often in these first three games, especially these, these past two. And then you have to remember that they're down quite a bit at those key blocking positions that aren't on the line. I mean, Travis Bokalek, uh is Nebraska's best blocking uh, pass catcher you know, at, at a pass-catching spot. So his absence for three games, I think, is reflected in the running game um, for the vast majority of the game against Buffalo, and some of the receivers ha- have been out. So you, you're you're playing backups there who haven't had as many reps up up with the uh, the number one offense. I think all of that combined into what you see as a as an unproductive figure for the running backs when they carry the ball. Mitch, you mentioned the the lack of any really explosive runs. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe the longest run by a running back this year is 21 yards. Uh, I believe that's what I have off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. you got to think that if Nebraska wants to pull an upset on Saturday against Oklahoma, they've got to have a, a run or a couple runs from the running backs longer than that. But just what do you think the problem is? Is it... Is it is it the offensive line? Is it downfield blocking? I mean, when you look back to the Bo Pelini uh, years when you have those long runs, both are obviously very important. Uh, but what has been the bigger problem whenever guys get to that second level uh, to be unable to get past 21 yards? Well, yeah, it's not. I mean, they don't have a Mirabula or Rex Burkhead running the ball right now, um, if you want to reference the Bo years. And that's, 
that's some of it. Uh, I think it, I think it goes. It's not one thing. It goes on the line, and it goes on the receivers and tight ends for the downfield blocking. They're all responsible for Nebraska to get big plays in the run game, and they haven't had it. That that twenty-one yard run by Gabe Irvin that came in this last game against Buffalo, and then there's not another one all year from the backs that's that's over twenty, um, or you know over nineteen. But uh, I, it's yeah, it's it's all of the above. There have been times where the backs have had holes and they've they've run into their linemen. Um, there have been plenty of times where the holes haven't been there, and then I think there have been times where the backs have got out in that eight to ten yard range and maybe needed a block or two to spring it into a bigger gain, and it hasn't worked that way either. I don't know that Nebraska has to have huge runs from its backs to be competitive against Oklahoma. It would help for sure. Um, they're going to have have to have pretty much everything clicking at one time or another in this game and then avoid the catastrophic mistakes. Um, they're going to have to play something close, not a perfect game, but like a, a very limited mistake game, almost a mistake-free game to, to be there uh, in the fourth quarter of this one on Saturday. Mitch, do you have a read on, on who that number one guy is going to be against Oklahoma? It was Step against Fordham, and we saw a lot more of Gabe Irving against Buffalo. Coaching staff still still saying they're going to be riding the hot hand. I mean, who do you think it's the guy is yeah. going to be against Oklahoma? I think they'll continue to do that. And, and you know, if one of these guys breaks out and starts really separating himself. And, and, you know, Step didn't do that necessarily against Fordham. One, because it was Fordham. And then, too, I mean, it was 18 carries for 101 yards, so that's not um, – you're not talking about a, a banner day. It's a nice day uh, against an FCS opponent. And so they gave him the start uh, going, in, going into the Buffalo game, and, you know, and he didn't play much. I think he had three carries after halftime. Irvin, I think that they're going to continue to go to because he's come so far, and I think he's just kind of a natural – in that pass protection uh, part of the offense. Um, for a true freshman, that's, that's unexpected and outstanding. The job that he does in blitz pickup, he's the best one at that uh, of, of the three backs right now. And I don't know that Oklahoma is going to need to send a ton of blitzers. They probably will to see if they can, if they can, uh, if they can rattle Martinez a bit. They're going to get a pass rush with their, with their defensive line, um, with their guys at the front. And, you know, that's not necessarily on the backs. The backs are not picking up 300-pound uh, defensive tackles. So if Nebraska is going to keep uh, the defense off of uh, Martinez, they're going to have to do that um, through blocking on the, on the offensive line in traditional ways. But the backs will, will have to play a role, too. Mitch, a couple of minutes left. Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity. A thought, does Nebraska make changes on the interior and not not Jurgens, but do they look at, at tweak in the guard spot? And from a point of attack, do they try and attack the edge up the middle? Hasn't yeah. worked the last three weeks. I think they got to try everything against Oklahoma to establish the run, um, because if if Oklahoma can key on Martinez, mm-hmm. you know, and Nebraska's Nebraska's offense is limited to his ability to scramble or, um, you know, look, look for receivers uh, in, the, in, the, in the short-range passing or even, even downfield. If Nebraska can't run it with the backs, it becomes one-dimensional um, or much less dimensional than it can be. It has to have a complete offensive performance. I think you look at everything this week. If that means uh, potentially going with somebody else on the interior uh, at a guard spot, 
um, then maybe you do that. I, I think uh, New Ely, New Ely, New, New mm-hmm. um, is a possibility. Um, he's physical for sure, um, and and is is an option. Um, you know, they talked a lot. The coaches did. Greg Austin did about the depth they have on the offensive line, and they're not like I said earlier, generating the kind of push that they want. So you got to try something. Um, you know, this isn't a five or six man line where if you don't, if it's not working, you're just going to have to stick with it and, and, and suck it up. So um, if that means Teddy Prohaska getting some reps at, at tackle, if it means New Ely um, or Brant Banks on the interior, if it means Ezra Miller um, coming in and, and playing on the line, um, if it means Trent Hickson getting some time at guard, then I think you look at all of those things, and I would imagine that's what they're doing this week in practice. Mitch, uh, about 30 seconds here. A, a win or a close loss would do what for Nebraska football? Well, they would do quite a bit of different things. I mean, a win would be, would be, uh, would be season-changing. Um, I stopped short of saying program-changing, but uh, certainly season-changing it would be it would change the whole narrative around the program right now, um, for sure in the short term. Uh, a close loss, I think, would, would give Nebraska um, a little momentum, uh, a sense of confidence that it belongs, that it can play with uh, the better teams in the Big Ten that it's going to see uh, throughout this season. So neither, both of those would be, would be somewhat positive. Um, of course, a, a big loss. It could we'll have a we'll have a negative effect, and really Nebraska's not going down there to, to lose a close game. Right, um, exactly. You know they're past that point, and it's not year one or two, so any loss is going to be looked at as a disappointment. Um, but but yes, obviously a close one where you're competitive um, can help things out somewhat in the Big Ten. Mitch, we'll see you down in Norman, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, thanks a lot, Chris. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. That'll be posted the ESPN Lincoln On Demand section. Also on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Connor Clark in today. We head out to Norman. We will be uh, at uh, a, a really good spot uh, coming up on Friday. So you're invited out, and it's part of a 1971 Nebraska game of the uh, the century uh, celebration which is fantastic uh, for that and we're getting hooked up with Joe Washington Tony Davis bunch of just Husker legends and Sooner legends that are going to be part of things Friday Saturday as uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma uh, remember the uh, the game of the century and uh, of course uh, fast forwarding it the uh, Name of the event is uh, Joe Washington's Smoke Through a Keyhole, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Celebrating Nebraska and Oklahoma, the tradition, and uh, the uh, setup is at a uh, cigar bar. So, yes, the asthmatic is going (laughs) to to, to a cigar bar. (laughs) What's wrong with you, Schmidt? Did you have a long night? No, no, just secondhand. But it's pretty cool, and they've got the uh, the career achievement plaque that uh, Huskers are being presented with, and of course a lot of Sooners. So the Cohiba 
uh, lounge is where we're going to be. You'd be walking out of that place sounding like you got COVID. No, I don't know. Uh, we're not going to go that route, my friend, but uh, should be awesome. Uh, a lot of great uh, Huskers and Sooners on tap uh, there. The Cohiba Lounge, and we're just a couple blocks from the stadium, uh, 105 East Boyd Street in Norman. So want to see you there on Friday and, uh, of course, Real Red Reaction uh, there on Saturday. We will be in the, uh, the Boomerville with Uncle Andy's RV. If uh, you see somebody in, in whitey tidies hanging a shirt up, that will probably be my brother. And uh, there we go. A little Breaking Bad reference. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Did you see the Ross Dellinger story from Sports Illustrated? Came out yesterday. Want to go there. And it's pretty big opportunity for, for Florida to this weekend as Alabama invades. So... This is back-to-back years. Alabama has had not nice crossovers. <laughs> they've had to play Georgia. They've had to play Florida. And uh, usually Alabama's been wrapped in bubble tape with their crossovers, right? Their, their permanent crossovers, Tennessee. Tennessee's been down. But you have an, enough of a challenge going through the SEC West that uh, Bama's, and then they end the year with Auburn, obviously. There's not been a lot of, must-see matchups. They, they, they have not lost to the East very often. I think the, the last team in the East to beat them was probably Steve Spurrier in South Carolina. The year Nebraska got South Carolina in uh, the uh, whatever the hell bowl in, in Orlando. So with Nebraska and, uh, and Oklahoma going on, you also have Florida and Alabama. And it was interesting because Dellinger from Sports Illustrated went down memory lane. And, and you've got Florida now back as a top top 15, top top 10 program, right? I mean, and, and Mullen was really good his first few years there. Uh, they got whacked by OU in the bowl game last year. But it kind of details how Dan Mullen was the easy hire, the familiar hire, the, oh, yeah, you were the OC and great for Urban at Florida. You got it. But it was interesting because their AD, Strickland, he's, an, he's a Mississippi State grad. He's a lifelong bulldog. He was a former AD there and then got hired away. He actually had a heart and didn't want to go get Mullen first off. It's like, I mean, I can't do that to Mississippi State. I hired him at Mississippi State. He took us to number one. He got Dak Prescott. He'd been there nine years. That's what's crazy is Dan Mullen was, once he left Florida, he was at Mississippi State for nine years. And they were right there with Chip Kelly. And they detailed just kind of the, the pursuit of Chip Kelly. He was their number one target down in Florida. Well, Chip uh, had the Florida brass fly up to New Hampshire. Then he flew down to Gainesville or Orlando. And then he's like, hey, can you can you get the president up here for a for a second meeting on my turf. Meanwhile, you had a part of the other search firm folks go visit Scott Frost. It was that infamous Temple weekend, right, where Maddie Davison and the Moose sat down with bottled water in a conference room in Philly and said, Scott, how would you like to come to Nebraska, right? That's when it all started. But you had Chip Kelly, and then it was Scott Frost, and then it was Dan Mullen. And Chip eventually got on the horn and said, you know, I'm out. I'm just not feeling it, I'm okay, and he can go be anonymous in Los Angeles, right? UCLA is a perfect job. It's a West Coast gig. 
he's recruited and won out there before anyway. And you're seeing year four, wow, from, from UCLA. Uh, they're, they're far from great, but they're way better than they've been, right? It's, it's starting to, to kind of pay off. What was incredible with this story, as Strickland recalls it, so you have on the 16th of, of November, uh, the, the first interview happened, the sit-down with Frost in Orlando. This is, again, right before the Temple weekend and Nebraska's interview. This is the word on Frost from Florida. Scott Frost's interview with us, unimpressive, and immediately we felt he was not ready for a big job. That's, that's all the commentary we got on it. Unless his heart was already set on Nebraska, he was going to go to Nebraska, so you can totally tank an interview. But it's just interesting. Unimpressed. I think Scott Frost, there's a lot of things you can say uh, about Scott Frost, but if he's into something, I don't think unimpressive comes up on the radar, honestly. Now, I know that the win-loss tally has been unimpressive. I know we know some of the game management has been unimpressive. We know some of the organizational stuff has been unimpressive, but if he's locked in, uh, I, I think he's as bright and as good as there is. It's the, the part about being locked in, and it gets to that second part, that diagnosis, that that determination that he's not ready for a big job. Yeah, see, the, the first line isn't as much of an indictment as the second line. Where the, right. fir- the first one is, we, we walked away unimpressed. Okay, the I- interviews can suck, right? I yeah. mean, the, the, you can either nail it or get through it or just bomb it, right? There's A, B, and C <laughs> with an interview. But for them to like walk away going, man, what was what's going on? He's not ready for a big job. And it, sometimes you've heard the cat calls, you've heard the the fan base, you've read it, you've felt it, you've maybe even said it, you've doubted his ability at this level. When it comes to management, CEO, power five, mm-hmm. when it comes to all that it entails. And that was that was a worry. Long and short of, with this story, Dan Mullen, kind of by default, you got not only, it wasn't the splash that Frost or Kelly would have been, but damn it, it was an amazing fit. It was a big time fit because it was a guy going back home to where he had killed it with a guy named Tebow. Interesting. Not ready for a big job. A monster job awaits Saturday, Nebraska in Norman, 20-plus point underdog. And a statement opportunity for the Big Red. We'll have some final thoughts this hour. Grant Wistrom's 15 minutes away. Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we are 10 minutes away from Grant Wistrom and then a Tuesday with Kaz. On Hale Varsity, Rick Kaczynski gives us his take on what needs to go right for the Big Red. Uh, tomorrow, we are loaded up with uh, more Nebraska, Oklahoma. Brad Edwards going to be with us, Mr. Husker Football. Mike Babcock on the show. And I think we are going to catch up. My mind's like wandering. We are so loaded up, not only in Norman Friday and Saturday. You had Coach Switzer kick us off, of course, uh, yesterday. But Lars Anderson will be with us later in the week. Brandon Vogel is going to join us. Dean Blevins, Mr. Sooner Magic will be with us. Possibly a Joel Klatt sighting, which is cool. 
And uh, yeah, Blair Kirkhoff, he's covered a, a ton of uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Blair from the Kansas City Star. Plus, we can talk to Blair a little bit about, dare I say, the Royals moving to downtown Kansas City. There's uh, thoughts about that, that it'll, more will be revealed. But if you're, if you're, and there's a lot of Royals fans, and we've all been. Does does Kaufman need to be replaced? I know it's been around forever. I mean, it, it was what an early '70s stadium. Oh, it's old, but it doesn't feel old. I don't think. Do you? I mean, it was kind of designed with that kind of futuristic look in mind, where it, it doesn't. It, I mean, you, if you look at that, it doesn't look like a 1970s stadium no. at any means. It doesn't you, look you, like you've uh, got the fountains, you've got the the giant jumbotron. It was a big old royal crown, and then before. You know, we hit the, the the 2020s. The place to kick it was the Adams Mark Hotel if you were a kid. That's where all the teams stayed. So it's over the bridge. And you go get a thousand autographs or have Jose Canseco hit on your mom. I mean, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win for everybody. <laughs> hey, would you like a drink? It's mom, dude. Leave her alone. <laughs> Sign this first. <laughs> but But you have these... These retail centers, think about New England, right? I mean, Mama can go to Victoria's Secret and shop or do whatever or go kick it at the sports bar, too. And then you go to to the New England Stadium, Jerry World. I mean, there's probably a mall inside of that joint. Okay, you've got the, the tram that, that takes you to U.S. Bank Stadium from Bloomington and Mall of America. I mean, so... While it's not next door, it's easy to get from A to B. And that's kind of the new trend with stadiums. SoFi, I assume, beyond just an insanely awesome stadium. I, you know, and you, and you have Arizona where the Cardinals play. That's near outlet malls and stuff. I mean, it's all just right there. See, I, I think of Coors Field in Denver. You got a pot shop two blocks away. Exactly. <laughs> and and if you're a, if you're a relief pitcher for the Rockies, you're going to stop before mm-hmm. and, and medicate. <laughs> but no, and Lodo's kind of the other thing. Like, because the thing has been, let's put a ballpark in downtown, right? You look at Target Field with the Twins. You look at Lodo with with the Rockies. And, and maybe you go uh, the uh, the Power and Light District if you're the Royals, if you're wanting a new stadium. Their attendance has been brutal. So do you, do you put a smaller stadium together and and put it downtown? I mean, it's also... They've it, sucked. They've sucked, yeah. So maybe that's why they attended. Maybe they're think, a better I, team. I think they'll be <laughs> decent next year. Yeah, they had a lot of young guys coming up in there. Yeah, I'm, they, I'm not they, a big Royals guy myself, but I know enough with the Storm Chasers to know that they got a lot of talent they, with that Storm they, Chasers they team. They have right now. talent, and they they are able to reload and scout and develop. I mean, attendance wasn't a problem their World Series year. No, they had a three four year run, and it was all homegrown, developed. Uh, Grant Wistrom, Nebraska, Oklahoma, next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz.
And he's a happy dude doing that. We say hi to, to Grant Wistrom, number 98. Grant, good to spend time with you, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Smitty. How you doing? We're good. We are good. And uh, it is a pretty cool week for a lot of us that are, that are a little grayer now. Uh, and that is Nebraska-Oklahoma week. Uh, what, what did that series mean to you growing up? Or was it one of many reasons about, that, about Nebraska that, that appealed to you? Kind of, I don't, I know I might have talked about this before, but I grew up an OU fan. I so didn't, okay, I, I never, like, I never yeah. knew that. Wow. Yep. I had the Boz haircut and all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I lived in, <laughs> I lived in Florida in the mid 80s. So that would be our Christmas present every year um, would be to go to the Orange Bowl and watch them play in the Orange Bowl. So um, I love this rivalry from way, way back. But, you know, back then I was on the other side of the fence of it. Um, but man, so much tradition, so much, uh, so many big games, so many implications usually riding on the game. Um, it's awesome that it's, you know, been revitalized, even if it's just for a short time, it's, it's good to have it back on the schedule. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So you were a boss guy. I didn't know you were an OU guy. So how close to the, the authentic was the haircut? It was pretty dang good, man. Uh, I it's probably about as good as you could recreate uh, back then. You know what I mean? Without having uh, the internet, and you'd be able to pull right up and look at your phone, just trying to tell some lady at Supercuts you wanted some stupid haircut and hope she figured it out. Um, but I think it was pretty close. So, mom and dad in favor of the hairstyle or no? That, they did not care about any of that stuff. Um, as long as your grades were good and you stayed out of trouble, um, you cut your hair however you want, wear whatever you wanted. Um, they're pretty loose on that stuff, as long as the grades were good and you stayed out of trouble. Grant, uh, so do you remember seeing them in the Orange Bowl win win one of the championships, or did you see him play Miami? What, what do you remember about the Orange Bowl games? Uh, I was there for when he came out with his uh, – NCAA shirt, National Communists Against Athletes, when Bosworth had that on. Um, I think I, I saw, I know I saw him beat Penn State down there okay. in that Orange Bowl. Um, and I think they played Arkansas one year, maybe, that I got. Okay. I want to see. It's cause, but, uh, man, it's been a long time. But it was just always so much fun going down to the old Orange Bowl, parking in people's yards, walking to the stadium in the uh, you know, downtown Miami. Uh, it, it was always exciting, and it was really the highlight of our Christmases back then, getting to see those tickets hanging from the tree. Wow. So that's totally full circle, not only going as a kid and as a, as a college football fan, but then, I don't know, you guys only played in like 40 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, Grant, uh, when we look at, at Nebraska and Oklahoma, what was it, was Oklahoma even on the radar then when it came to, to – to choosing college or were they just too far down no I, that was my actual first recruiting trip okay and uh it was right off after they came off the death penalty with barry switzer gary gibbs was a coach and uh i really like coach gibbs i got all, you know had a great just rapport with him but like you said they were just so far beaten down um and <laughs> You know, there wasn't any climbing out of that hole anytime soon. And Nebraska played for a national championship the year before. Uh, and not only that, when I went to Nebraska, it, it just it just was the place. I, I knew it uh, when I was 
now not the first time I was there and the second time on my unofficial visit I knew it was a place but then um you know one morning I woke up and I have never had something put in my heart that I could not question like this as I just knew that I was supposed to go to the University of Nebraska and there was just no doubt no questioning it it just been put so strong in my heart mm-hmm. that that was the only place where I was going to go to school. Grant Wistrom's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, legend for Nebraska football, uh, college football Hall of Famer, 10 years in the NFL, Super Bowl champ, and uh, his thoughts on this Nebraska-Oklahoma series that's uh, back at it on Saturday in Norman. So I want to talk about Trev real quick. Did you cross over with Trev ever uh, in Lincoln as far as was he a host for you, or was he a guy you, you, you touched base with because Trev was a senior when you were probably trying to make your mind up? Yeah, so my first visit up there, uh, it was Trev was my host, and uh, took me out. Actually, I hung out with he and Travis. So Travis was back okay. in town for the weekend. So hung out with both those guys. And, uh, you know, it. Tre- I, I like Trev. Trev was a great guy, but Trev wasn't the guy that I was going to be playing with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I understand why they paired me up with them, uh, defensive end playing the same position and all that good stuff. But uh, I wanted to come back up there and I wanted to be around the guys that I was going to spend the next four years with. And, and that's what really sealed the deal. So you were all about who's who are my who's going to be in my class versus a guy that's yeah. that's going to be leaving it in a pretty good spot. OK. Yeah. Who are my dudes? Who am I going to be playing with? So what? On a visit, because you've also had to host, right? I mean, I, I would I would assume uh, you had to host host recruits. So, on a visit, what did you what did you enjoy about your visit uh, with some of your peers? And then, if you're kind of selling Nebraska, you know who's going to be the next guys behind me? Um, what uh, what were what were some of the the um, what was what was the blueprint? What was the what was the uh, the outline on a Friday? <laughs> Well, you I mean, classified. <laughs> well, I, it didn't have a lot to do with education and touring the campus. I do remember that, uh, you know, and but like how man, I was going to get an education wherever I went. Right. You know, I, whether whatever school I went to, I was going to find something. I, it, I don't whatever you can talk about going to college and all that all you want. Um, I was going to get an education. I wanted to know who I was going to get along with because that's those are that's going to be your family for the next four years. And you know, only way to I know to get to know my family is to work together and to play together. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of working to be get done on recruiting trips, but there was a lot of playing to be done and just going out, hanging out with those guys. And it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted I wanted to party, you know. I was away from high school. I wanted to go out and experience that stuff. So that's kind of what a lot of what my recruiting trips were, of uh, just going out and partying and being with the guys that I was going to be with. Um, when I was a host, you know, I tried to tailor. I I was a horrible host. I don't think I ever got one recruit. Really? Um, yeah, really. Um, but uh, you know, and if you, if you're the host, you just kind of tailor it to your recruit. Hopefully. You get a little bit of a bio of what they're like before they get there, and you just kind of, you know, schedule your weekend towards them and ask the questions, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to get into? And, you know, what's important to you? What's going to make you like this school? And try to cater to that. Who, any any notable people you hosted? No. 
No. So I think they knew what they were doing when they didn't give me uh, any recruits. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I really don't know why. I think I got like three in my entire career there. And uh, I don't think I landed one of them. Yeah. I thought I had a chance at one, but he ended up going to Arkansas. That That was... I don't think it was any big loss. That's his deal. Grant Wistrom's with us at Hale Varsity. Grant, what do you what do you see this season so far, and what do you think about Saturday? Yeah, you know, I've only got to watch a little bit of the Buffalo game. I didn't get to catch any of the Illinois game because I was soccering it up. But uh, you know, the defense looks good. You know, I, I defense looks strong up front. I like the way that they're playing, and I think that that's obviously going to have to continue on Saturday. Uh, for you know, for the Huskers to stay in the game, defense has to show up. And probably going to have to play a very major role if they're going to win this football game. Um, offense, you know, look good at times. I still think they're trying to find their identity, um, but you know that'll come around. Offense is usually behind the defense early in the year, so you know I'm not I'm not worried about anything. These guys are just going to go out and play hard and just let the chips fall where they may. You know, a guy that that has kind of morphed into from a mentality standpoint of let's let's just go have fun and yeah win but i think adrian's in a good spot grant i think he's playing good ball set you know that that first game against illinois he didn't have a a ton of help he's not a finger pointer either you know what i mean he's he's an accountable guy but he's made some plays here especially against buffalo that are just nuts And, and those are guys that you know when you were playing, you'd chase down a lot of times. But that, that mobile quarterback, I think, and, and that's a reality in college football now, but you know what? I mean, Nebraska could be able to hang around with Adrian on Saturday. I know what the spread is, but you know what? It, we'll, we'll see where it goes Saturday. I mean, I think Adrian could be a major difference maker if Nebraska's to make some noise. Yeah. yeah and just show up and don't lay down. Yeah. You know, play four quarters of football. I don't give a care how what the score is do not lay down stay in the game and fight to the last second ticks and that's you know oklahoma is a better football team you know right now they are a better football team i think anybody in the world is going to argue that but guys just show up play hard and just let the chips fall where they may you got nothing to lose just sell out for each other Grant Wistrom's with us. Grant, we'll get you out here in a second but back to the oklahoma nebraska nostalgia and and rivalry did, did you, you know, were you cranked up on like level 12 for the Oklahoma game? You always seem to do well against them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, big games, whether it was, you know, Oklahoma, Colorado, um, you got to bring your A game. But, you know, even, you know, I think it was our senior year. Oklahoma was terrible. We ended up beating them like 70 to 7 or mm-hmm. something. Um, but, you know, even then, it's still Oklahoma. There's still just so much tradition, and you still expect them to come out and play just the way we expect the Huskers to play this weekend, that it doesn't matter. Rankings, all that stuff goes out the window. When it's a rivalry like this, you better show up because you know dang sure well the other team is. Mm. So how much Ted Lasso have you been streaming? Oh, man. I, I, I got to watch it. I got. Well, I'm too cheap to buy Apple TV. I've got, like, Netflix and Hulu, and I'm like, ah, I don't need another streaming service. But I, I got a new computer for work and i got like three months of apple so i'm gonna i, I gotta sit down and watch that song is is it worth it uh you know what i it is good I, and i'm making my way through season two i i think i have i've got to catch up on about three or four episodes okay but it's it's awesome and it's funny and i'm not not a big soccer dude 
but it's just a hilarious premise where they drop a football coach <laughs> in the Premier League. Yeah. And I know you're probably getting more engulfed with soccer, as much travel soccer as you do, so maybe you'll flip it on. I still think you're probably watching NFL over Premier League. Am I right? I, I When I can, I am, yeah. No, everybody's told me it's a good show. I know I got to check it out. But the whole streaming thing, man, um, yeah, I mean, just, just go for it. Because I, I know, like, I pay for Hulu and Netflix, and I'm pretty sure, we, we, you know, the streaming service stuff grows by the week. I mean, I'm probably paying for, like, six different, right. <laughs> you know, Junior right. will sign up for one or Mama will, and th- there it is. But, no, I think the Apple thing for five bucks is pretty good. Would you ever uh, contemplate doing something like Peyton and Eli are doing for Monday Night Football on ESPN? Oh, uh, yeah. Be, be the center of attention, I think I'd be all right with that. Uh, it's funny, man. It's hilarious yeah. with, with, those, yeah. with those two quarterbacks sitting there just doing Monday Night Football and then – Here's Barkley. Here's Ray Lewis. Here's Kelsey. I don't know, man. I think Grant Wistrom, uh, Thursday Night Football sounds great. Well, hey, if you know somebody, tell them to call me, Schmitty. I'm in. <laughs> I, I need guess. one more iron in the fire. Right? Yeah, because you're not you're not busy enough. What's uh, what's happening with uh, with uh, the medical marijuana front here? Uh, we've got our dispensary open now. We've been open. Well, we've had our soft opening about a month ago, but we're having our grand opening on Saturday. Um, it's going great, man. Uh, sales are going up every day. Um, got a lot of great reviews from people coming in, building a good client base. And I don't know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, I think we're helping a lot of people around here too. Well, I know that's, uh, where your heart's at is, is helping folks. Grant, we'll uh, see you soon. Take care, man. And thanks for a few minutes. You bet, Schmidt. Anytime, man. Gotta love Grant Wistrom. Uh, a little sad he's not Ted Lasso to end. But uh, he'll he'll probably maybe we just give him our our Apple ID, or will Apple Apple will they come after you? Will they come the after us? Is is my question. But you know what? I, that that you learn something new. And I I have talked to Grant long enough uh, over the years where he's just a great dude to sit down with, and and he's so gracious with his time. But man, I didn't know he was an OU guy. Blew me away. Blew me away that. Oh, yeah, I loved Oklahoma. I grew up in Florida part of my life, and I loved Oklahoma and the Boz. And that's, that makes a ton of sense. But for he absolutely, I mean, just destroyed Oklahoma every year he played him. Like 12 tackles, three sacks, incredible. Uh, quick reminder about buckling up. Rick Kaczynski's on the way first and foremost. So uh, Tuesday with Kaz on the way. Big thanks to Grant Wistrom. That'll be on ESPN Lincoln. Or uh, be sure to catch it on the ESPN uh, Lincoln Twitter handle as well. The the full interview will be posted. Buckling up, 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska. Well, they're uh, involving an impaired driver, driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop before more folks are killed or injured. So if you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Don't forget on the road Friday, Saturday, live from Norman, powered by Ferris Financial Group and Aero Brokerage. Rick Kaczynski's next. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back 
with you. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to have a chat with Kaz. Our Tuesdays with Rick Kaczynski, Nebraska and Iowa assistant. Uh, and wait and see Saturday in Norman for Nebraska. How was the weekend? It's pretty good. You know, some good football on and, you know, just good to see stadiums filled back up again. And now you're, you know, you're starting to learn a lot more about teams and where they're at. So I think it's, you know, setting up here, citing college football season. You know, that's the great thing about college football. It's really the only sport where every game holds a lot of value, holds a lot of importance. That's the great thing about it. And I think you saw in week two and week three, you know, some um, some marquee matchups uh, that are going to affect seven, eight weeks, nine, ten weeks down the line. So now you're starting to get in the meat of it and looking forward to this weekend. I want to get your take on, on a couple of different teams out of the Big Ten. Start with Iowa. Your takeaway, do you see some some growth from Michigan? And what do you make of the Buckeyes? Yeah, well, I think, you know, starting, starting in that sequence there, you know, you look at Iowa, once again, solid, solid defense. Uh, keeping everything in front, you know, no big plays against them, you know, run into the football, typical Phil Parker, Iowa, Iowa football defense. I still think that, you know, you hadn't, hadn't seen a whole lot of a four man rush. Uh, you got to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, don't think that Indiana is, is near the team, the offense that they were a year ago. Um, and, and, and trust me, Iowa had a lot more to do with that than Indiana did. And then uh, same thing with Iowa State. I think when you when you look at Purdy, um, hot and hot and cold guy, um, you know, taking that shot. I think that's just a bad call. You're at home. You get the ball back. You're pinned. You don't take a you don't take a shot. Iowa made them play. So I think I think they got a really solid defense. But you know, it, it's impossible to to play. You can always be consistent, but there's going to be a game that um, the defense doesn't show up or the defense has some matchup struggles or whatever. And when you look at their offense, I think they're – and they haven't had to do to, – to the offense's credit, they haven't had to do a whole lot to – you know, they've done their job. They've, they've scored points. They've put the ball in the end zone, haven't turned the ball over. But I think, I think when you look at their offense, it's, it's, it's pretty pedestrian. And when you start getting into, um, you know, the middle of, uh, of the Big Ten season, you know, when you got to play Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's very similar right now, very pedestrian offensively, um, but uh, very good, very solid defensively. You know, th- those, are, those are the games where, you know, Petra's going to have to make some throws. They're going to have to stretch the field. Um, when you look at their rushing yards, you know, they, they haven't done a whole lot have not done a whole lot uh, on the ground just yet. So, so verdict's out on the offense, but uh, I think, you know, you, you got a pretty good handle on what you're going to see uh, defensively from them. Uh, I did, I did like what I saw, you know, from, from Michigan and, you know, not necessarily, um, I guess it, it wasn't very, it wasn't pretty all the time, but what you saw is a commitment to the run game. A commitment to uh, to being physical. You know, they didn't have to throw the football. You know, they 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 were very patient with some runs that you know went for zero and went for two. They just kept pounding it and pounding it. Um, and uh, Washington started getting guys closer to the ball, and they just kept with it. You know, I think that they were trying to establish an identity, uh, physicality, and and I think what you saw there is what Harbaugh did at 
what Harbaugh did at Stanford, mm-hmm. and that's what made it successful. You know, it wasn't pretty. They didn't throw the ball up and down the field. Yeah, you know, they didn't have some top-name quarterback. They just, you know, they won football games. You know, it was a ball control. I think uh, I, I, I know the time of possession they won, uh, turnover battle, all those things um, that that are going to help you win football games. So, so I liked what I I liked what I saw out of uh, out of Michigan. Not necessarily the product on the field, but I think more of the uh, philosophy that Michigan and Harbaugh are, are trying to create there now. Uh, and Ohio State, I mean, it just, you know, it's, it, it shouldn't happen there with the dudes that they have. Um, it, just, it just shouldn't happen. It's just unsound. Obviously, they are much more talented than those statistics and their defense showed. And when you have players like that and you have – big plays with guys that are going through the hole that aren't even touched. And you have plays running around the edge with no edge defenders. And you have big plays down the field without a, um, without a DB within five to seven yards of a guy that is, that's a coaching problem right there. But what you saw, what you saw in years past uh, or in the last year, I know Greg, Greg Madison, he's, he's not co-coordinator. Greg's not there. Greg, one of the best coaches to coach college football position and coordinator in the last 50 years, in my opinion, you know, Greg's gone. He's that safety net's gone. Um, You know, the guy they have now, he's been there two years by himself. And, you know, quite frankly, it's the same problems they had last year Mm -hmm. uh, minus Justin Fields. You know, the, the issues they had last year didn't show up until they got into the playoffs. Um, and you know when you're when you got four, five, six touchdown leads, those issues on defense really don't show up. But you know my my thing is is I don't know if if they know how to correct it. I I, I don't think they do, uh, in my opinion. You know at least their defensive coordinator, unless there's a change in who's calling the defense there, you're going to see more and more of the same, which is really a shame. So I think that quarterback's good. You know he's a young guy, he's talented. They got dudes all over the field you know the problem is is they can't stop people so you know you're going to be in some one two score games right now and that's what ohio state isn't isn't used to so um unless they change the guy who's who's calling the defenses there you're you're going to see you're going to see the same you know now uh, you know fortune are they going to see another offense like that in the big 10 you know not not sure but what you're going to see in the big 10 is teams that aren't are only going to give you so few possessions mm-hmm. and you know you're going to see teams that are going to make you drive the field um so you know if i'm an ohio state fan um i have i have a lot of concern a lot of concern about that defense right now Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, a thought on Nebraska, uh, their their Buffalo performance, and what's Oklahoma and Nebraska mean to you? It's good. You know, they've taken care of business the last two weeks. You know, on paper, they're teams they, they should beat, um, and, and they did. When you're looking at the Buffalo game, obviously, you know, as a coach, you always look at the things that didn't go right. You know, you had, you know, for the third week in a row, yeah, the special teams turnover. You know, you do that against Nebraska, it's gonna or against Oklahoma, it's gonna be seven points, no doubt. You just you just can't you just can't have that. Um, you know, there were some big plays in the game offensively. 
But, you know, when you look at the big plays on offense, you're not, you're not going to see those against Oklahoma and other Power 5 teams. You know, that might be against Fordham. It might be against Buffalo. Um, but you're not going to see that against Oklahoma. You're not going to escape four guys and then run down the field for, for 60 yards. You know, you might get a big play in the passing game here and there, but you're not going to you're not going to have two 68-yard touchdowns. So what Nebraska needs to do is figure out a way to, to to get in rhythm. You know, drive the ball downfield. You don't have to you don't have to score. You don't have to get a big play every time. What you got to do is you got to you got to reverse the field. You got to get a couple first downs. You got to keep your defense off the field. Um, and you got to punt, and you got to make Oklahoma earn everything. You got to make Oklahoma go 80 yards, 90 yards, uh, 75 yards to score touchdowns. You know, when you when you make teams do that, um, there's a ten, there's there's way more of a tendency to to make mistakes. I like the win, I like them getting bets involved, all those things. Mm-hmm. But you know, what's glaring through three weeks is them not being able to run the football between the tackles quite frankly, against inferior opponents. Um, when you look at Illinois, uh, you look at their struggles the last couple of weeks, you know, Fordham and, and Buffalo, you know, those, those are teams that you should be able to line up and not have to throw a pass, in my opinion. So, um, you know, you got to get that shored up. And Adrian isn't, Adrian isn't the answer. And when you take away the rushing yards that the quarterback had, um, it, it's a little bit it's a little bit frightening through three quarters. You know how many yards that the the actual running backs had on off a handoff. So uh, can they improve? Absolutely. Uh, it's gotta it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen quick. And uh, but I like the way they they took the top off the defense. And against the Oklahomas, they may not be touchdowns, but it's gonna it's it's gonna loosen it's gonna loosen the uh, the defense up. So um, it's going to keep them safeties from playing flat foot at eight and a half, nine yards, just coming downhill. So, you know, you got some threats on the perimeter for the first time in a long time. So, so that's a good thing. You're going to have to take some shots, but when you want to take your shots, you know, you want to take your shots on second and four, you know, second and five, those type of downs. So it's critical. It's absolutely critical that, that Nebraska establishes a run game, and, and, and they haven't. And that gets your quarterback in rhythm, gets your O-line and running backs, gets everybody in rhythm, and that's just what you haven't seen yet that you're going to have to see moving forward with their, with their schedule against Oklahoma and then getting into the conference. Kaz, uh, a thought, does the matchup of Oklahoma-Nebraska bring a smile to your face? Oh yeah, I mean if you're a college football fan and you know you you know you're born in uh, in your 40s or 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, I mean this this is what college is this is college football, you know, when there was a couple games on a week, you know, and a couple games on, you know, if you sat or this is this is what America watched. You know, you watched I'm listening to Penn State on the radio, listening to Notre Dame on the radio and you know you had Nebraska and Texas and Oklahoma um, you know, that, that was in Southern Cal. I mean, you know, the pageantry and, and like we talked about last mm-hmm. week, it, it, it takes you back there. That's why it's so, it's so important. You know, this game, this rivalry is so important to so many people, um, not just in Nebraska and Oklahoma, but, you know, through, throughout the country, um, you know, and uh, it, it, uh, it stirs up a lot of emotions, a lot of memories. 
you know, when you're a little kid when, you know, hey, it's not about uh, how much you make, not about being on scholarship. It's about seeing dudes hit each other. It's about the excitement of the game and hearing the roar of the crowd. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, just unbelievable. You know, unfortunately, it's uh, – unfortunately, it's, it's, a, it's a game that isn't played every year. And, you know, I think that's – some of that's kind of gone away with, with college football. You, you miss out a lot with the conference realignments. But, uh, yeah, when you say Nebraska, Oklahoma, I mean, just, just look at the history and, you know, the games that so much was on the line when, uh, when those two teams played, you know, college football. It's, it's the front porch. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, it's the front porch of the, of, the, of the institution you're at. You look at Oklahoma, you think of football, you think of those guys on the field, just like Nebraska. Both programs, they want people to, on the field that represent their values, that represent their morals, their work ethic. That's why it's so important to these communities and to the states to have a good football program. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. When you look at the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, you look at the history of these two programs. You know, it, it represented, you know, the farmers, you know, the, the oil workers, you know, all those things, man. I mean, it was it, it's 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 blue collar, and people were proud to say, "Hey, I'm a Husker, or I'm a Sooner fan," and. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that uh, it, it lives up to the lives up to the marquee. But hey, for me personally, you know, it takes me back to hey, being a little kid. You look waiting all week and all day for that game to start, and look at the big hits, and you just think about some of the names. I mean, some of the best players in the history of college football have played in this game, and I mean, it's just amazing when you look at the All Americans, you look at the Heisman Trophy winners. Think about the running backs. Oh, incredible. Think about the running backs between Nebraska and Oklahoma. I mean, I mean they are they are not, you know, some of the best. They are the best to play college football and um, you know, and if you don't realize that when you're running out the out the tunnel on Saturday, man, you got you got a problem. And you know, um, it, and it just goes to show you, you know, how important the representation of, of putting that helmet on and having an N on the side of the of your helmet and the responsibility and the obligation that you have and the privilege that you have, what you need to put into, you know, having that privilege of putting that helmet on, um, you know, every Saturday and who you represent. You know, if uh, I, I think these guys know what it means, but, man, if they, if they don't, we're not recruiting the right guys. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, – it's going to be a special game. Um, I'm, I, I can't wait for it. It's, it's going to be a it's going to be a hell of an environment. And once again, it's not just great for Nebraska and Oklahoma. It's you know it's, it's great it's great for college football, man. So just real excited about it. And um, you know I, I think just nowadays, man, there's there's so much pair. You just don't know what can happen. It, it's it's no, it's no different, you know. It's, uh, I doubt that people in '78 were counting on, uh, you know, Nebraska beating Oklahoma, and, and you know, crazy things happen. You just look at that series, and and I just think when you got two programs like this with the history and the bloodlines of it, you know, um, some crazy things are going to happen on Saturday, man. And uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a lot closer than than people think right now. You know, I, I as we get closer to the end of the week, I'm, I, I, I've not swayed all the way to 
maybe there's a shot, but I'm working <laughs> that direction. Rick yeah. Kaczynski's with us here. Hail Varsity Radio, great coach in Nebraska and Iowa. Our Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz, what is kind of an ideal pressure, hit, hurry scenario for a defensive line you coached? I ask this because I look at Nebraska. We mentioned the O-line in the run game. Well, with Adrian, and there's not been a lot of plus one or plus two rushes against Nebraska. There's been pressure with a four-man front by Buffalo and by Illinois. And the the numbers are, are staggering with 46 dropbacks, 23 hits, hurries, pressures, whatever, against the Illini. Uh, against Buffalo, 14 of 24 dropbacks were hit, hurries, uh, pressures. So he was under duress, is my point. Um, that mm-hmm. That's excessive, isn't it? Or, or uh, you're probably smiling as a D-line guy, but if you're an offensive line coach or – an OC, you got to be going nuts trying to figure out how to keep your quarterback clean and give him some time. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, you know, those are those are actually astonishing numbers, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, you know, and you know what, what I what I tried to teach guys when I was coaching the D line. You know, it's not about it's not about sacks, right? right. You know, the sacks will come if you do your job. You know, but our thing was, you know, getting home, getting home with four. You know, if you can get home with four, you, you obviously you got seven guys, you got seven guys covering, and not there. You know, there's a sense of pride with, you know, there's a sense of pride with that. And just same thing on the other side is, hey, if if I as an O lineman, I or as an O line coach, you know, what you're saying, hey, these dudes can't beat us one on one. They got to bring more than we got to get home. So you know, there's that there's that battle there, but um, you know, my what I what I taught as a D line coach, you know, obviously the pass rush lane, you just can't you just can't run up field and do what you want. You know, there's four guys working in concert, and um, you know, but what you wanted to do is make the quarterback drop his eyes or move his feet to make a throw, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening with with Nebraska right now. Um, you know, Adrian has to drop his eyes or he has to move his feet to make a throw. And when you do that, man, that's when bad things happen. And I know it's quarterback, especially a quarterback at a, at a place like Nebraska, Notre Dame, a Southern Cal, a Texas, when you make mistakes, they're, they're, you know, they're magnified and you're always the one to blame, but there's so much more that goes into it. You know, if a D lineman, I got to said, you know, make this guy have to see, you know, a different color flash in front of him. If he has to drop his eyes, that's a split second. He just lost his receiver. And there might be another guy, a safety coming from the other hash. Or, you know, it's just making guys, making making color flash, right, making a quarterback drop his eyes and making a quarterback have to move his feet to, uh, to throw the football, man. That just makes it so much more difficult. Um, and that just can't happen because what you saw last Saturday with the plays that Adrian made, you know, he might make those plays against Oklahoma, you know, but there's a safety that runs for four, three, four, that's mm-hmm. coming downhill, you know, and you know, that 60 yard run might be a six yard run with those, with those rush lanes. So you're not going to, you're not going to see and, and, and obviously Oklahoma's going through right now and saying, Hey, you know, we got to be smart in our rush lanes. We can't lose contain on these guys. So coaches, good coaches, they're teaching that stuff. They're teaching that stuff during the week. So yeah, I guarantee with the staff Oklahoma has, you're you're not gonna see that. 
Um, but, uh, you know, that, that makes a quarterback's job really, really difficult. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, pressures were way more important, way more important than, than sacks. You know, I like sacks on early downs, man, because it puts you behind, put you behind the eight ball, and then you had a pretty good idea to what to call um, as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive staff. So you just limit, and that's when you get people behind the count. It limits people to what they can call. It it makes the defenses you call easier. Uh, you have less risk, and those guys play a lot faster, and and, and that puts the offense on heels so that's why it's important man you just can't you, you got to figure out a way whether it's keeping a tight end in whether it's keeping the back and you're chipping late I mean you know I, there, there's you know sometimes you can't run a, a three or four man route concept and that's why Schmitty, it's so important to establish a run game because then you know you're throwing the ball downfield when it's second and four and then you have a man if, if you don't hit it you know, if you don't hit it, then, man, you come back and you got a manageable third down. That's why it's so important to establish that run game on because it takes some pressure off those offensive linemen. It takes some pressure off your quarterback. It's a heck of a lot easier reading a post-dig route with a, with a half safety than it is on, hey, third and 11 with, you know, with, you know some, some, <laughs> some bad dudes that Oklahoma recruited from Texas in a track stance running their 40-yard dash you know, coming coming to get you on third and 11 and third and 12. So, you know, it's really, really, really important that Nebraska helps themselves out, and they got to win these early downs, got to win these early downs. They, they figure out a way, you know, to, to, to protect Adrian. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. I know Adrian gets a lot of heat. He hasn't thrown a lot of picks, but you know you're playing uh, you're playing the varsity now. So uh, the, the the JV the JV's gone home. It's uh, the varsity season. So uh, you know Nebraska's got to be up on their game and and like. From the beginning of this game until the end of it, these games are one up front. They're one up front. The no, in the Oklahoma game is going to be no different. You know, whoever establishes the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball is going to win the football game. It's really that simple. So uh, Nebraska's got a heck of a challenge, but it's not a challenge that they, that they can't over, overcome. And not only is it a challenge, look at this opportunity. If, if Nebraska can fi- figure out a way to beat Oklahoma, man, you're, you're, you're right back. I mean, the doors that this thing will open, that's why you have to embrace these type of games because the, op- the, the reward is so huge if you can take advantage of the opportunity. Rick Kaczynski with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach Kaz, our Tuesday chat. Kaz, we'll do this again, man. This was awesome to get caught up, and thanks for your insight on Saturday, bud. Awesome. Hey, give me a Coach Switzer uh, autograph when you're down there, will you? <laughs> Have him sign a beer can or something. <laughs> I'll do that. I think he's selling wine now, too. Uh, he's yeah, still I'm selling getting, his wine. I'm getting a case. I'm getting a case. <laughs> well, have him sign a bottle for me, right? So that'll that'll... That'll keep me going for another two, you know, 52 Tuesdays. So give me a bottle of wine from Coach Schwitzer if you could, man. We'll get it done, man. <laughs> All right, bud. Rick Kaczynski, there's Kaz. So, I, yeah, get me a signed bottle of wine from the bootlegger. 
Duly noted, Kaz, and uh, we'll do that. We'll get Kaz uh, an autograph of Switzer. Better yet, we'll just we'll get Switzer to FaceTime Kaz. Oh, have him do one of those cameo things for Kaz's birthday. Whenever that happens. I don't even want to know what Barry charged me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's about making money, man. So good stuff today. If you missed part of the show or you just want to get caught up on your own timeline, it's real easy to get the podcast and give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly, we'll take it, man. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all three platforms to hear Hail Varsity Radio Monday through Saturday shows posted. Take us with. And uh, Grant Wistrom today, many thanks to him. Good talk uh, with uh, the run game uh, when it comes to Nebraska, where they're going, what they're looking for, what they can take with them down to Norm. It's got to be much better, and we'll dive further in to that tomorrow. Uh, Mitch Sherman with this in Hour 1, Grant Wistrom Hour 2. You just heard our Tuesday chat with Kaz. Tomorrow on the show, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity. He has lived and seen and been a part of so many Oklahoma, Nebraska memories. We'll get his take on some of the, the top plays and his outlook for Saturday with Nebraska, Oklahoma. Uh, we'll see if Shuey's on the tee box or has a few minutes. And uh, tomorrow, also on the show, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network. We'll see what Rick has to say. He was up close and personal with Nebraska and Ohio yes, uh, last weekend. So Pizzo back with us on a Wednesday. And then Brad Edwards, his thoughts uh, with uh, Nebraska. And then the college football. USC's open. Where are they going? Right? We kind of touched on it a little bit. Is James Franklin the guy? Is P.J. Fleck the guy? Is Chris Peterson the guy? Bill O'Brien the guy? Eric Bieniemy was the hot name today. Eric Bieniemy is going to leave the NFL to go to college and recruit and put up with all this garbage. I don't know. Back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.